words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Comfort, comfort ye my people, are words attributed to the prophet Isaiah, words that many people know as the hymn we sang and as a longing in our hearts for what we need in this time and in this day and in age and in our lives. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. It's easy to understand the uh, Hebrew scripture from the prophet Isaiah as a word of comfort, that things will be made right in the world, that there is a vision of uh, justice and love and mercy and equality that God dreams and plans for us. But the other lessons don't, you have to dig a little bit deeper to um, find the message of comfort. So in the prophet Isaiah, it is a people in exile given a word of hope. And in 2 Peter, the message is that God is waiting, taking so long to make things right because God wants us to get it right. God is waiting in order to give us a chance. And in the gospel passage, the writer Mark the gospel writer who uh, is one of the most action-oriented and urgent gospel writers in scripture, says, this is just the beginning of the good news. This story is just the beginning of the good news of what God in Christ can do for us. Just the beginning. And then he tells the story of John the Baptizer, the original come-as-you-are parishioner to church, right? Camel hair and belt. And the word of hope is so profound by John the Baptizer, Jesus' older cousin, by just a few months. John's word of hope is of repentance not as a means to beat ourselves up or to say that we are bad, that we are inherently wrong, because that is not what the creation story says. But John, the baptizer, says that repentance will free us, will free us from, from what holds us back from doing good. Repentance will free us to make it right with the world. Repentance will free us to walk humbly with God. Repentance will free us from bondage to sin. Repentance will free us to live courageously in love, in word and deed, trusting God. This is just the beginning of the good news of God in Christ, writes Mark, and this is how we are to be, repenting of our sins and, and, and being comforted by the word of freedom and salvation. So in the holidays, there's all kinds of 
comfort that we that we seek to receive and to give either consciously or unconsciously. There's a comfort of, of nostalgia, of working through hurt, of, of even lament in some ways, and, and of celebration. And we'll walk through how I've experienced a little bit of that, and maybe it resonates with you all, and both the dangers and the joys of finding and seeking and giving and receiving comfort in Advent. So as we know, the church is trying to keep the, um, the, the Advent songs going, you know, and, and hold off the Christmas carols a little bit, at least in worship. But in our world in which we live, they're all mixed and mingled. And you hear all kinds of, um, all kinds of um, Advent and Christmas tunes, both secular and religious, combined together. Last week, I heard on the radio that the lead singer of a group from my youth had died. And his name, um, well, the group's name was uh, the Pose, and they were um, a rather strange combination of Irish folk funk, right? And um, one of the, what I remembered in hearing about his uh, passing was that they had written a Christmas song. And I looked it up and I listened to it and it was just that, that, that you know, it talked about, you know, being together. This is what I remember. And I was looking for comfort and connection through this nostalgia. What I remember is it talked about being in New York City on Christmas Eve and being together and the bells of Christmas or whatever. And so I, I looked it up and I listened to it and that like nobody else can, that Irish nostalgia just pulled my soul out of, and, but I couldn't quite get the lyrics. So I looked them up and they did not all age well. Just put it that way. Or perhaps I have aged a little. And, and, and so what I want to say with this is that the comfort of nostalgia can be very beautiful and connecting. But you also have to be careful about when you think about the good old days. And remember that they weren't always that good for everybody. Or be clear about what you're remembering. And not to blaze over, glaze over certain truths. Because there is comfort to be found in that nostalgia of memory. But there's also a denial that we should uh, avoid at all costs. I was speaking with um, a young woman who was preaching this week and she's a brand new priest and she was confused or, or really wrestling with how to um, to preach a word of, of hope, a word of solidarity with both the, uh, is Israel, Israelis and Palestinians in this time of war hoping to like get it all done in a 10-minute sermon and fix everything, right? And I, I just listen because um, she was finding her way. 
And um, I was thinking that the comfort that we find in Advent and in times of conflict is a comfort of sometimes just naming the hurt and naming the fact that we don't have all the answers. We don't have all the answers. But that we need to name the hurt in order to not make it okay or to normalize it. And I was thinking of the song that I use for that, which is neither an Advent or Christmas song, but it's a spiritual from the black experience. I'm not gonna sing it, don't worry. <laughs> but it's so beautiful, and when I just don't understand how things can be so cool sometimes, I remember the words, this is a mean old world to live in. This is a mean old world to live in until you die without a mother, without a father, without a sister, without a brother. This is a mean old world. And they, the, the song was sung not to um, become complacent with the sin of the world or the brokenness, but to, to feel it, you know, to feel it and to, to name it. That sometimes we just don't have all the answers. That doesn't uh, free us from having to work for stuff, but we shouldn't normalize that pain. But feel it. And if somebody, if there's a group of people that have felt pain and could sing the spirituals into it, are the, are the people who lived through slavery. And that song connects you to the deep hurt of the world, not to stay stuck in it, but to know that you can live through it. There's another, another song that I remember... Um, uh, hearing about a couple weeks ago from a group that meets here between 9 and 9.30. They meet in the Masterson room on Sunday mornings and online, a meditative group, and they're doing a series on songs uh, for, and the backgrounds of some of these Christmas songs for Advent. And last week they did uh, a meditation and reflection on the song, Oh Holy Night. And the thing about Oh Holy Night is it has some very, very interesting uh, dynamics around how it was created. Now, it was a song created for celebration and it has beautiful lyrics. But who wrote it was an atheist who was commissioned by a priest because he was a beautiful uh, lyricist. So he had this great talent and he came out with beautiful, beautiful lyrics. And the composer of the piece was a Jewish composer. And so the church, after the celebration of this, um, uh, I think it was for an organ at the church or Maybe they had just finished their capital campaign. I don't know. But they were celebrating something. I don't remember. And um, they, they sang it and people loved it. But once the church elders found out where it came from, 
they were like, no, we can't sing a song that was written by an atheist composed by a Jew. And instead of seeing hope and connection and a, a, a voice of comfort for what people can do together, the beauty people from different backgrounds can create together, and how life can be celebrated together in diversity, they banned the song from church. And yet that beauty and that hope, that comfort of what people from diverse backgrounds can do together lives on in the popularity of that beautiful song, Oh Holy Night. And lastly, the Advent song, Sleepers Awake. The background there, I was reminded, I learned about this several years ago. The person who wrote the lyrics to Sleepers Awake wrote them, was a Lutheran pastor. He wrote them in the 1500s when Christians were hurting each other, killing each other. Calvinists and Lutherans were fighting over how they believed and the power that they would each have within the institution and society. It was also the time of the Black Plague. You're all like, where is she going with this? This is so sad. <laughs> but it is comfort. This man to the plague had lost 170 parishioners that week. And he sat down and he wrote poems that ended with what became the lyrics to Sleepers Awake. The comfort of staring hardship and conflict in the eye and singing a song of the triumph of the good news of the wedding feast in heaven sleepers awake a voice resounding that joy and celebration and deep faith spoken into conflict and pain is the type of comfort that carries us through, that helps us with each other, and that lasts through the century, and that we sing in Advent as a song of preparation and of hope and of comfort. Comfort, comfort ye my people. We take comfort in all kinds of ways by giving voice to what humans experience day in and day out, in ancient and modern times. And we are comforted not only with nostalgia and naming the hurt and lamenting and in celebration and speaking a word of hope where there seems to be none, but we're comforted in this word of repentance and freedom and salvation in our Lord that is brought to us today. That God is giving us time to get it right. That God's plans for us are that the high places be made plain. 
that someday there will be no more potholes on Bissonette. All right, some of y'all live over there trying to ride down. That someday the city, the public works department of Houston will take pity on us and not do work right outside at, at Christmas and Holy Week. I believe, I believe there will come a day. But also not denying, not denying the very real confusion that we have. But the comfort is, my friends, that we can trust in God to lead us home from exile. That we can trust in God to have patience and hope for us. And that we can trust in God that this is just the very, very beginning of the good news of God in Christ Jesus. Amen.